Well, as you see, uh, the title of the lesson this morning is You Matter. <laughs> and so I want to kind of reinforce that as we take a look at James chapter 1 uh, this morning in verses 1 through 12. I was telling my wife this week as I was preparing this lesson, I said I almost feel compelled uh, to quote from John 3.16 uh, as we get into the book of James because as we talked about in class this morning, oftentimes we, we look at James chapter 1 and verse 22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And so we kind of think about along those lines, taking God's word, making application of it as we should. And God desperately wants us to make application of His Word. And this morning we're going to take a look at trials are going to come. Trials prove your faith. And trials can also break my pride. And we'll see how that can be beneficial in applying this. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I thought it'd be appropriate to quote that as we take a look at this. But then I got to thinking, wouldn't it be appropriate to quote that before we study any lesson from God's Word? I mean, that is what it is all about. And the cross stands there as testimony for all time. And God shouting from the heavens, you matter. You matter. That's why I gave my son. And so when James says in James chapter 1 and verse 22, be ye doers, that's God saying, that's the only way I can save you. I can't save you against your will, but I desperately want you to take my word and make application of it because I do want to save you. But recognizing also in this life that sometimes there are challenges and there are trials that we are going to go through. And so he wants us to know, I care about you. Take my word and apply it as you travel through this life because those trials, they are going to come. James chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 as we talked about this morning in class. James will begin and he will address this. He will say that he is a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's writing to those 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. And he says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect result, that you might be made complete, lacking in nothing. You're going to face trials in life. That's what he's saying. Recently, I was watching a video of a family in California. California is on fire. (laughs) And it has been for quite some time now. And there have been lots of people that have lost their homes to those fires. And I was watching a younger man. (laughs) He may have been late 30s, maybe 40 years old. That he and his wife, and they had two kids, and they had, they had lost their home in that fire. You know, as I watched that, and I was thinking about it later. Don't you think that there were a lot of people that prayed, God save our homes. 
Save our neighborhoods. Make it go away. Send the rain. Change the winds. Save our home. But he didn't. And you got to wonder, were some people dismayed by that? (laughs) Were some people discouraged by that? I prayed. (laughs) I prayed hard. And it didn't happen. This is where James comes in. This is where we need James. Rather than turn away, what God wants us to do is He wants us to listen to the message that He has delivered to us through James. Because He lets us know that these trials, these difficulties are going to come in life. And He wants you to know, first and foremost, you matter. You matter. That's why I'm giving you this message. Is because you matter. We mentioned all these little kids this morning, right? <laughs> and on Wednesday evening, somebody said, it's like a parade coming out of there now, isn't it? <laughs> and that's good. That's, that's cool, isn't it? You know, a lot of times we read our kids these children's books. And, and a lot of these books, they have lessons contained in them, right? And, and we read these books to them. And they're very young, and maybe they don't fully understand right now, but then later on we think back and we think, you know, the lessons that we were trying to teach in those kids' books, they're really for me. (laughs) And I can learn a lot from that, you know. And that's what we're trying to teach them is those lessons. Hey, life's coming, life's coming, and here's some lessons you need to learn. And as you get a little older and you get a grasp of this, you'll you'll make application of this. And I just want to say we need to be reminded of that also. I'm going to give you the title of this book. I like the title of this book. Maybe you've heard of it before. And, and, and I, got, I got to tell you honestly, when I was reading this and I thought about our class over here, Brock came to mind. <laughs> the title of the book is We're Going on a Bear Hunt. Have you ever heard of it? And I thought, you know, if that was announced in there, he would open the door and go, Mom, we're going on a bear hunt. (laughs) Could you imagine a group of little kids? You know, it's like, we're going to read this book together. We're going on a bear hunt. And they're like, ooh, you know, this could be fun. This could be kind of scary. And in this book, they're going to go on an adventure. Well, you know what? There's the very first lesson right there. Life is an adventure. And you don't always know what's coming. And there's going to be some challenges. And in this particular book, they encounter some things that are kind of difficult and a little bit scary too. And so some of the things that they run into is they run into long grass. You ever been off in the tall grass? You ever been off in the tall grass spiritually? Kind of hard to see, isn't it? And then they come to a deep river. You ever encountered that spiritually in life? You can be swept away. You ever known anybody that's been swept away by life? And then they run into some mud. (laughs) 
And you know, mud's kind of those sticky places in life, and it's just, I'm having a hard time getting past this. Ever been there? And then they get into a dark forest. You know, in a dark forest, you can get lost. And have you ever felt like that? It's kind of like, I don't know exactly which way to turn. And then the scariest part, they come to this dark cave. You ever been there? Sometimes you're going in. You don't know if you're coming out. It's kind of scary. But here's the deal in this book. Every challenge that they come to, and this is the way kids' books go, they have this kind of refrain, these phrases that they repeat over and over and over again. Every challenge that they come to, they say, well, we can't go over it, and we can't go under it. So I guess we're going to have to go through it. That's what James is saying. You're going to go through it. And when you go through it, this is what I want you to do. Be ye doers of his word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James is not being critical. He's trying to get us to understand. It's not just the hearing that is going to help you. It's the application. It's the doing. That's what will help you through those difficulties and those challenges that you encounter in life. You know, as we travel through this life and we come to ups and downs and we come to trials and difficulties and all these kind of things, I want you to keep this in mind also. Not only do you matter, God is not trying to crush you You know what God wants? He wants to crown you. That's what James says right here in James chapter 1. If I get in the right book. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. That's why we quote from Revelation chapter 2. Be ye faithful unto death, and you shall receive the crown of life. God doesn't want to crush you. When this life is over, He wants to crown you. And we've got to, we've got to keep that in mind. Now I want you to notice something from the introduction. Because sometimes, you know, we read introduction, we just kind of, well, that's the introduction. Let's get, let's get to the good part, right? James chapter 1 and verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, good enough. Keep going. (laughs) Now hang on a minute. Have you ever received advice from someone and your response to them might be, what do you know about it? (laughs) Or maybe you're the one that got the, what do you know about it (laughs) type of thing. It's like, have you been through this? Well, did you see what that just said? It said, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know who this is? 
This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Jesus was his older brother. But growing up, James didn't believe in Jesus. In fact, on one occasion, after Jesus had been into his ministry for a while, they got the family together and said, we got to go get him. <laughs> He's lost his mind. we got to get him come back home. You wouldn't believe the things he's saying out there. You know, stop and think about that. He didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't believe he was Emmanuel, God with us. He didn't believe that he was the Messiah. So we got to ask ourselves, when did he become a believer? And I think we need to think about this a little bit. James didn't believe that Jesus, his older brother, was who he claimed to be. And I got to ask myself, where was he that Friday morning? When they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Was it James that showed up and said, whoa, hang on. <laughs> That's my half-brother. I know him. You got this all wrong. No, he wasn't there. And when they nailed him to that cross, he wasn't there. So when was it that James became a believer? Turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. I want to read from you from about verse 3 on down through verse 7. Paul says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve, and after that He was seen by over five hundred at once, of whom the greater part remain to this day, but some have fallen asleep, and after that He was seen by... James. His little brother. They didn't believe on him. They didn't show up on that Friday morning. And he didn't even support his mother at the cross. But Jesus appeared to him. James didn't have to be told the gospel because James saw the gospel. He was dead. He was buried. He was resurrected. And I saw him. James became a prominent leader in the church at Jerusalem. 
James was there when Christians were going through persecution in the first century. James was there when Acts, the eighth chapter, happened and Christians were scattered, but he stayed. James was there, Acts, the 11th chapter, when Agabus said, There is going to be a famine, severe famine in all of Judea. You're going to face challenges, you're going to want for food. James was there. And when there was a doctrinal battle that took place in Acts the 15th chapter, guess who was there? James was there. I don't know this for a fact. (laughs) But legend has it that when persecution was on the rise in the mid-60s, that James was pressed about his faith and he would not deny then... (laughs) His brother, his savior. And so they took him and they threw him from the top of the temple. Bad news upon top of bad news. Paul didn't kill him. So they took clubs and they beat him till he died. And as he was dying, legend has it that he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Where do you get that? So James, he knew trials. And so now he writes about trials. And if he knew one thing for certain, he saw the resurrected Lord. And so he knows that this life is not all that there is. That there's something after. And so James wants them to see and he wants us to see. He writes to the 12 tribes that are scattered. And what he wants them to understand, there can be things that will scatter God's people. But if they're viewed in the right way, they can also be the things that hold God's people together. And so James says, be doers of the word. Because trials can pull us apart. Or if they're viewed properly, they can pull us together. Because trials, what they do is they prove your faith. Count it all my joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. James says, various trials. What he's trying to get them to understand is, it's not just one. (laughs) There may be a lot of them. This is not a one and done type of thing. Oh, I went through the trial and that's over. Oh, good, we got that out of the way. No, James says, there's going to be various ones. There may be a lot of things that come your way. You know what the worst kind of test is? I'm sure you remember this from your school days. At least I do. It's the kind of test that you're not ready for. You know, it's Wednesday morning. Things are going well. You're saying hi to your friends. You walk into class. You sit down and the teacher says, put away your books. Take out a blank piece of paper. Get out a pen or a pencil. We're having a test. 
and you're like, oh, no. Because <laughs> I always liked it when they had those tests that were scheduled. Because the night before, you know what I do? <laughs> I get ready for the test. <laughs> All the rest of the time is like, yeah, I'll get to that later. World's greatest procrastinator. And then they say, today. And that's what we talked about in the class this morning. James says, when you fall into various trials, sometimes they're just on you. You didn't see it coming, but it's here. And so now what are you going to do? And James says, be doers. So there can be all kinds of trials that we face in life. There can be financial trials. There can be health trials. There can be loss of job trials. There can be loss of someone trials. And when we get that bad news, first thing James wants us to understand is just like going on a bear hunt, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You got to go through it. But the question is, how? How do you go through it? So James says, count it. Consider it all joy because oftentimes when we are faced with those trials, our immediate reaction is what? Oh no, and why did this have to happen to me? If it's you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if it's me, why did it have to happen to me? And James says, hang on. I want you to count that all joy. See, because immediately when we face trials or difficulties, we want to take that and put that in the minus column. This is one of the things that I don't really need in my life, and so I put that down as a negative. And James says, no, I want to change your thinking about that. I want you to look at that as, as a positive. This can be a plus. If you view it the right way. And James goes on to say, knowing that the testing of your faith. And that word knowing there, that's not just head knowledge. Oh yeah, there's trials in life. That's not what James is talking about. That, James, or that knowing there, that is a familiarity. <laughs> this is something you're going to experience you are going to go through it, is what he's trying to say. And going through it can have a positive because it produces something. And the first thing that it can produce is it can produce patience. And that word patience there carries with the idea of staying power. See, because whenever something bad happens, the first thing we're doing is we're what? We're looking for the exit. <laughs> How do I get out of this? And he's saying, wait a minute. Hang on. Stay with it. Don't crack. Don't run. And this can, can produce something. <clears throat> See, oftentimes 
in this point, we give the illustration of the astronaut, right? <laughs> they go away, they're out in space for an extended period of time, and what happens to their muscles? They get weaker, right? And the reason why they get weaker is because there's no gravity. <laughs> and there's no resistance. And you don't get stronger if there's no resistance. And so that's what James is saying. God wants to help you. He wants to make you stronger. And these trials can help to make you stronger. And they can produce perseverance. He says, let it have its perfect result that you might be made complete. I want you to understand something there about that word complete. And oftentimes we say, you know, it's, it's perfect, it's complete, it's mature. Here's another concept that you need to add to that. It's make you whole. Because the way we stand, we're not whole. We're not complete. And we can't handle every different situation. And so what he's saying is, take my word understand it, apply it, it'll help you to become whole. That's the idea behind maturity. It's like our kids. They're not complete, they're not whole. And we want to help them to achieve that. And so we teach them these lessons. And so in James chapter 1, in verse 5, let me get there once again. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, not doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. God cares about you. And he said, so when you run into these, if you can't see the benefit... Then ask God. But don't doubt. He'll help you to see this. But you may have to stay with it for a while. And you may have to persevere. But never doubt that He's got your best interest in mind. And take His Word and apply it and stay with it. That's how trials prove your faith. And so he says, ask for wisdom. Back to the family in California. As I listened to that video and as I listened to that father as he was talking about what they had gone through and what all they experienced. And in the background, you could see the charred remains. And there was... You could tell there had been a house there, but wasn't anything much left. You know how it is sometimes you can see like where the chimney used to be, the fireplace. And the whole neighborhood was like that. And I thought to myself, were they one of the families that prayed, God, spare our home? But then he said this. I thought, 
This is good. <laughs> Not good that they lost their home. <laughs> he said, We have our family. And that's all that really matters. And he said, all of this? <laughs> he goes, that's, that's just things. That's good. Because that's just things. Now, I want to make a point right here. <laughs> we need to understand this. In this life, there's two things that we encounter that are eternal. Two things. God's Word and people. And that's what matters. Truth and people. Because that's the only things that we encounter that are eternal. All the rest of that is just things. So James says, pray for wisdom. Do you think part of that wisdom might be <laughs> that it helps us to refocus on what matters? It's truth and people. And James says, be doers. That's the truth. And he's writing this for what reason? Because you matter. So apply it. That's what he's saying. And sometimes we lose focus. And we need to be brought back to reality. So sometimes trials can break our pride. Verse 9. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with the burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty disappears. So the rich man will also fade Away in his pursuits. Trials can hurt. So why does he want us to go through these trials? Because sometimes we do. We lose our focus. And we get caught up in self. In our pursuits. And we get caught up in things and we forget what's really important. So sometimes what breaks our heart is also what it takes to break our pride. So James will say in verse 11, For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat then it withers the grass and its flower falls. What's James saying? 
just that fast. The sun comes up and the heat of it starts to wither the grass and the beauty of that flower falls off. He's telling us how quickly those things can fade away. He's going to repeat that refrain. Remember this morning I said the things that you read in chapter 1, you'll see again. So in James chapter 4, what's he going to say? Your life is like a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. What he's trying to do is help us to keep our focus on what really matters and what's real. See, because sometimes we get to thinking, this this is real. (laughs) And what he's saying is, no, this is all going to fade away. Truth and people... Because they're eternal. That's what's real. So this little book teaches us what really matters. Knowing truth, that matters. Knowing people are eternal, that matters. Knowing God matters. Knowing relationships. Remember what we read at the end of chapter 5 this morning? If a brother errs, help turn him back. Because they matter. And so James wants us to see what matters. So in chapter 1, he will begin, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter these various trials. And then notice the way he finishes in James chapter 5. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Why does he want us to know that? Because people matter. You matter. That's why James writes, Count it all joy. Be doers of the word. Because God says you matter. I'm going to extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. And if you're not in right relationship with the Lord... We'd encourage you to do that and do that very thing this very day. If we can help, let us know while together we stand and while we sing.